Sky Father Ranginui and Earth Mother Papatsuanuku had been separated after many failed attempts from the other gods. But it was Tane that had found the way and finally severed the ancient embrace of his parents. Tane had used the power of his legs to thrust Ranginui upwards and was now in desperate need of support to keep his father permanently placed. Tane needed to move swiftly. Tane knew exactly what he was asking from Tumatawinga. Tumatawinga turned to one of the younger gods, Kopeka. Forgive me, my brother. One neck twist, and it was over. Two hacked at the legs of Kopeka and used the femur to form the handles of two axes. He ripped out the entrails and used them as rope to secure the stones. He cracked the skull in two, using each half to complete the upoko of the axes. Tsumatoenga raised the axes above his head, and with an almighty haka voice, he invoked the names of the axes. Two carved out the forepo, allowing Tane to rest his weary legs. It was done. Tane finally turned to two. They are too dangerous for this world. It will be my burden to carry. The toki began to quiver. Shot out of two empire's hands towards Tane. Tane's chest opened momentarily. Atoki tried to escape the grip, but were pulled deeper inside Tane's chest by creeping vines. Tane's chest closed like a door, trapping the Toki inside forever. Hunting through the forest one day, Hone spotted the biggest deer he'd ever seen. He hadn't even shot the deer, and he could already see himself on the front page of the local chronicle with his 550-pound trophy. He imagined taking his victory lap around the town, standing in the back of his wife's chauffeured truck with his prize underfoot, waving to the entire town who had shown up to cheer for their new celebrity. Then. Walking into the local bar, the boys patting him on the back and the girls in the corner giggling. Ordering a beer and flashing his debit card, the barman calls out, Ah, your money's no good here, champ. Drinks are on the house. Honey's thoughts return to the target. All right, boy. Time for you to make me a star. Just before he took the shot, a practical thought crossed his mind. How the heck was he going to carry this humongous beast back to his truck, which was parked about five kilometers away? Ah, one issue at a time. He lined up the deer in his scope, adjusted his sights, licked his lips, held his breath, and gently began to squeeze the trigger. Suddenly, there was a distortion, like a heat wave that appeared over the deer. 
it through him momentarily, and he tried to back out, but it was too late. He was already halfway through the shot. It was enough of a distraction to make him miss, and he never missed, especially a target this big. His shot instead hit the Cody tree behind the deer, dislodging a part of the tree. Expecting the deer to bolt, it instead froze, and then collapsed in a heap. One was confused. Perhaps he got a lucky ricochet off the tree. He ran over to the deer to see what had happened. Bending down to inspect his prey, he could see it was dead all right, but there was no blood anywhere and no sign of any wound or physical trauma. Something hit Hone on the head. A kereru had fallen from a tree, the deliciously illegal kind, and a big fat one full of miro stuffing. He started to ponder on what he might have done in a previous life and was about to pick it up when another kereru fell in front of him, and then another. He frowned and turned his attention to a rustling sound high up in a tree. He looked up the long stretch of the kodi and saw several other kereru falling through the branches. As they were landing all around him, his Māori senses were going crazy. Something was off. He grabbed the tiki around his neck and held it tightly. What the heck is going on? With a crumpling noise, he noticed the leaves on the tree were turning black. They fell with a gust of wind. He managed to catch one and it turned to ash, dissolving before his eyes. A wave of wairua overwhelmed him and the six-foot-five ice-cold hunter began to sob like a child. In the heart of the kauri, where his bullet hit, he could see an object. It was a stone of some sort that sat out of place with the rest of the tree and appeared to be wrapped in a whariki. He couldn't quite see what was inside, but one word came to his lips. He didn't know how this word had come to him, but he turned to the heavens and huckered the word with all his might. The clouds turned black and the sky turned a deep red. A shard of lightning shot down from the sky and hit the Cody, splitting it in two, setting the tree ablaze and spilling the contents of the whariki in front of him. It was an old toki. Hone dropped his gun and bolts and ran faster than he'd ever run before. When he got to his truck, he was suddenly aware that he was not puffed out. He would normally be heaving and complaining about getting rid of those extra pounds, but no, nothing. Without thinking too hard about it, he jumped in the truck and screeched off with an obligatory burnout. Quickly accelerating to top speed, he hit the side of a hill as he slid around the corner. He knew exactly where to go. If anybody knew what this was, it would be his nan. When he got to his nan's place, he jumped out and started reenacting what had taken place. He looked like he was playing charades. Nan paused for a second to admire her moko's acting skills. Hmm, I think we'd better call everyone there. Yep, definitely. Wait, hang on, who's... Who's everyone? Oh, daiho moko. I've got to make a phone call. Kāriroa. After a while, Nan returned. Let's go. What? Go where? A light goes off in his head. Now hang on a minute. You're not suggesting... Nan was nodding. Mm-hmm. You're joking, right, Nan? 
and shook her head. Moko, if I was joking, you would be on the ground rolling around. No, 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 I'm not going back to that place, Nan. You have to show us where you found it. Who's us? Please tell me us is the army or guys with big guns or something. Kind of. We've been searching for it for years. Come on, I'll fill you in all the way. Nan told Hone the story of Tane, Tumatawenga, and Kaupeka. When they arrived, he couldn't park his car in its normal place because it was full of other cars and trucks. Who are all these people? They don't look like they're in the military. There's something even more powerful. Their family. Come meet them. Aunties, uncles, cousins. It was a real family reunion. Maybe a hundred or so. A few familiar faces, but most of them Hone was meeting for the first time. An uncle came forward. Hey, hey, what did he thought though? Let's go. Queers up the front broke into an impromptu kupi kupi. Hone was unamused and more than a little upset. He knew what lay ahead and was expecting everyone to take the situation a little more seriously. But instead, everyone was singing up a storm and joking around. It felt more like an end of year party. Hone turned to Nan. Hey Nan, do they all know what we're walking into? Hi. Well, uh... Shouldn't they be taking things a little bit more seriously? Oh, they are. Yeah. Wairua, the Wairua of the Toki, is one of anguish and darkness. Our biggest weapon is to stay in the light. Just then, there was a break in the Waiata and gasps from some of the kuya. The clouds were black and the sky was red. The trees up ahead looked like they were dead. Oh, we must be close. The group broke out into song again, but it was a little tentative. The group moved into what looked like a dead forest. One of the queer began a karanga. The queer's voice began to change, getting deeper. Her eyes rolled back and her voice lowered into a growl. One of the Kuroa grabbed her shoulder and shook her. Hey, 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 She grabbed the Kuroa's arm and hurled him into a tree. The Kaikaranga, Patsy, screamed and shook her head as if waking from a dream. Others had begun to karanga, but it was more tangi than karanga. A 
couple at the front began quarrelling. They began to push and shove. One grabbed the throat of the other and began to throttle her. Another couple jumped in to break it up. Uncle ignored everyone and marched out the front and then did a little footwork sequence. His footwork became more furious and he yelled out like he was cursing someone. It was a karakira, an old one. One of the younger guys came forward with a patu in one hand and a korowai in the other. He ran towards the toki, wero staves. Wind that appeared to be emanating from the toki pushed him back towards the group. It pushed the entire group to their knees. The wind was now near hurricane force and the sound was huge like a jumbo jet engine. Uncle was still chanting, his voice becoming more desperate. The guy with the korowai was crawling towards the toki. The power of the wind would probably have lifted him to the trees if he'd tried to stand. Finally, he reached the toki and wrapped the korowai around it. Thrusting his tokotoko into the ground, Uncle stood up. The rest of the group were still on their knees, but they broke out into a haka. The toki began to shake. It levitated off the ground and ripped the korowai to shreds. The toki hurtled towards the group. Its intention's obvious. Leave no one alive. The toki was halted mid-air, inches away from Koro's face. Koro gestured towards the tree. The toki hurtled towards the tree. It landed in the heart of the tree. The vines grabbed hold of the toki. Everybody stumbled to their feet, standing shakily. They haka screamed the last words. The tree closed, the wind stopped, the clouds dissipated, and the sky returned to blue. It was over. After lots of hugs of relief and more than a few tears, the group stayed and sang what seemed like every song in their repertoire. Nana turned to me. I... I think so. I know you must have a million questions, Ne. In time, Moko. She smiled at Hone. One thing is bothering me about the old stories. The toki was made from Tuma throwing his brother Kopeka, right? But the handle looked like it was wooden, not like thigh bones from the story. Ooh, the handles are from Kopeka's legs, yes. But nobody said they were bones. The clue was in the name Kopeka, short for Peka Peka. Hmm, so uh, Kopeka was a tree. Like... Lord of the Rings. His legs were the branches and his intestines the vines. Mm, exactly. There is one other question. Perhaps the most important one that I had no clue about until everyone showed up. And what's that? How to get those deer and those kereru up to my truck. 
<laughs> Come on, guys. Give me a hand. Let's go have a go. Brought to you by Te Wānanga o Aotearoa with funding from Te Māngai Pāho.